G'day, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Bushwalking, Canyoning and Outdoor Community. Matt here, once again live from the Canyoning Compound. As usual, today's episode is brought to you by Bogan Canyoning. Why don't you have a bloody go? Today is going to be a bit of an interesting topic from where I see it. Some people are not going to entirely agree with what I say, but others might learn something from it. It's an interesting discussion about what is the minimum emergency gear that you should carry with you. The funny thing is, it really does depend upon the sport that you're in. A trail runner will take a certain amount of gear, keeping it as minimal as possible. While a bushwalker, a canyoner, a rock climber, a mountaineer even, will actually have a very different opinion on it. The thing is that this is a very classic topic. And in the end, I think we're all going to either agree or disagree on many of these topics. But you know what? I'm going to put it out there anyway. A lot of people will tell you what you need to carry when you go out bush. There's always going to be a focus on the emergency equipment if you're going to get benighted, injury or lost. Though, as I said earlier, it really depends upon what your sport is. For me, my recommendation as a baseline is to carry what I would, what is suggested by the police. The organisation that you're undertaking the trip with, i.e. a bushwalking club or you know, what a professional guide might suggest, or what other experienced people that you're going with actually have an opinion on. But I'm still going to ask you, do you know what would happen if you need to use that gear? Do you know why it is in your backpack? Do you know what you're going to do with it should you need to use it? This inspiration actually for this podcast came from a... uh, a blog post by uh, Craig Flynn on his blog um, sleepwhenweardead.net. This post was a little while ago from when I uh, am recording this podcast in December 2021. And it's about about his more recent rescue of someone in the Kenyaning team that he was with and how it all went. It is a very worthwhile read. And uh, you can tell that the people in the team knew what they were doing, were experienced in what was required, and carried the right gear for the situation. So with that, let's jump into it. The interesting thing about each emergency is it requires a different set of equipment and skills. You can carry shitloads of equipment, but you aren't going to get very far because it weighs a tonne. But some would prefer to stay at the nearest pub and sit there sinking a few schooners. While this ain't comparable to being in the bush, I suppose for some people it's just a little bit more safer. So what I'm providing today is general advice to get you thinking about the emergency equipment that you should be carrying and ask whether it is sufficient for the trip. As a sidetrack, in December... Uh, 2021 right towards the end right near the new year there was a search for a 12 and a 14 year old uh, boy and girl at Kane's flat northwest of Mudgee the two 
kids went for a short explore not too far from their campsite with no equipment. But they survived in the night. Uh, well, sorry, let me say that again. They survived a night out in the bush before they were recovered safely. They showed great resilience. But it does show that even a short trip can turn into an epic if you're not prepared. During this recent risk rescue that I talk about that uh, from Craig Flynn and uh, that he was a part of, they had an organised way in which to minimise the complexity and maximise the comfort of the injured person. So you may ask, what did they do? After the injury was made, well, <laughs> once the injury occurred, they made the injured person safe, warm and comfortable, as best as you can, sitting in the middle of a canyon. While they were at the exit of Claustral Canyon, the side walls are narrow and it can be quite cool in there. It doesn't matter if it's summer or winter. Next, they discussed their options and decided that they would have to hit the oh shit button on their personal locating beacon at, while at the same time sending an experienced person up the track to call emergency services. The communication equipment they were using included an in Garmin inReach allowing the person up the exit track to communicate with the party looking for the injured person. He was able to return with food and the knowledge that the families knew what the situation was. Looking at their blog, humour and positivity played a huge role while waiting for the response. Emergency services responded with a helicopter and a ground crew. The helicopter team were able to assess the situation from above and lower their crew safely. Not something that always occurs in a Kenyan rescue. Risk assessing the situation, they believed that they could safely move the injured person after some treatment. Winching the person out, the remainder of the party walked out with emergency services. The best part was that the team was prepared to overnight if need be. This is a classic example of what can happen if things go wrong. But at the same time, how you can make the situation the best to ensure that the outcome for that injured person is also the best. So, have you thought about what to do in a rescue? Do you know the basics? Do you appreciate the difficulties that may be required to rescue a person injured or lost? A rescue from a wide open ridgeline with easy terrain is going to be much easier than a rescue off the side of a cliff 150 metres from the ground. It'll be different if it's a canyon or a cave. Again, it will be different if you're alone, are with beginners or with an experienced party. I think it is in the trip planning stage that you can seriously consider how to tackle this situation and how it will impact you and your party. The equipment, knowledge and personal dynamics will improve how you do things once the experience starts. For knowledge, there is even courses actually available for this stuff. Have you ever heard of a wilderness survival course? Or even a remote area first aid course? They're worth googling or looking up via other sources. They may be exactly what you're looking for, and as they say, plan for the worst 
and hope for the best. For me, I've been pretty lucky. I've never had to be rescued from the bush, but I always seem to be aware of the worst situation and am actively considering various options if they were to occur. The worst thing that has happened to me was a fractured rib in Wanji Winji Canyon in the Wollongambi. I mistook a fern for a rock. That's right, you heard that one correctly. I fell a metre and a half and landed onto another rock. The pain was moderate. I'd previously heard stories of rescue services doing exercises in this canyon and the difficulties that they had had in extracting someone. I didn't want to be that person. Anyway, I didn't think it was that bad and I made it out without an issue. The only issue for me was lugging out all the wet gear and the rope. It was a bitch. And for future reference, I learnt that it was actually a fractured rib. But you know what? I still survived. Um, so some suggestions from, an ex- from the expert material and my own thoughts about what you should do and what you should carry. There are some general guidelines, as I don't want to be too specific and get hammered by law people or similar people of that kind. The police have a really good acronym, TREC, T-R-E-C. T, take adequate supplies of food, water, navigation, and first aid equipment. R, register your planned route and tell friends and family when you expect to return. E, emergency beacon or PLBs, personal locating beacons. These are available free of charge from the New South Wales Police Force and the National Parks and Wildlife Service, depending on the location. The Blue Mountains is a fine example. They may be elsewhere. And finally is K. Keep to your planned route and follow the map and walking tracks. This is a really good basis on how to plan your emergency plans and your equipment. You may ask what is in my kit. Well, as I've said it, said before, it always depends upon the situation I'm going into. But there are three guarantees. One, I will have a plan and I will provide the details to a responsible person. Two, I will have some sort of first aid kit with me. And three, I will have a personal locator beacon with me. Planning is a critical thing for me as it enables me to try and understand the terrain I'm going into. Further, it provides a point of reference for my emergency contact if I do not return by my cutoff time. First aid kits are a subjective topic with some people carrying minimal gear while others taking much more, including the kitchen sink. For my purposes, I believe I have the right balance for what to do. And for PLBs or personal locating beacons, I think these are a must-have item for any time you go into the bush. Where mobile phones don't work, they are superior in providing information. But when you are within mobile phone reception, they actually might be a better option. But still, having a PLB and its own ship button can tell emergency services where you are and they will respond effectively. 
Other things that I believe are important to carry include emergency gear that may include enough warm clothing for the environment, something to protect you from the rain, a space blanket, a way to light a fire, and by the way, Google Dorito fire starters for something interesting. And I'm talking about Doritos, those uh, beautiful Mexican chips. A bit of extra food, a mirror, a whistle, something to write with, including a paper um, pad or similar, a bit of tape, some nylon cord, water purification tablets, a torch and something waterproof to carry it all in. Extra gear I may take depending upon the environment may include a stove and hot drinks, a change of clothes, a bivy bag or shelter, extra water storage, a beanie or anything else I might find suitable. The truth is that some of you will disagree with my selection, but for me I've found this to be the most suitable for what I do. If you don't actually think I've got the right, the, the right gear list or you think I've missed something, it would be nice to hear from you. It'd be, it's always nice to learn from other people's opinions and potentially improve, improve how I do things. Now for some hot tips on making things easier for you before and during an emergency. Do you know, oh, do you, sorry, do you also know that it, um, if you have a PLB, you can update your trip details into the beacon registration forms on the Australian Maritime Safety Authority website? This is great for when you actually have to hit the oh shit button. It allows AMSA or the Australian Maritime Safety Authority to know your trip intentions without contacting your emergency contact. Another useful resource is the Emergency Plus app on your phone. Check it out via Google Play or the iTunes Play Store. I think that's right. I always get too confused. In New South Wales, police have encouraged the use of this app to speed up recovery times and have praised people that have used it in the past. What it does is allow you to enter the emergency information and send to them if you are within mobile reception. It also provides a GPS details including latitude and longitude or lat longs to the emergency service provider you select. Technology certainly has come a long way in the last 10 years. And on one last note, it is worth providing some uh, detail around a fine example of what occurs during an emergency. If you Google the terms Rocky Creek Canyon Rescue, you will come across an amazing video to watch that gives you an indication of how all the emergency services work together to safely extract a person in a complex environment. It shows the Australian Maritime Safety Authority's processes along with the New South Wales Police Rescue, New South Wales Ambulance Special Operation Team or SOT and the Volunteer Rescue Association LIFGO Squad coordinating the extraction. It is a good result with a good outcome. And with that I'm going to leave it there for today. Between no shit buttons, my dribble and the endless rhetorical questions I think I've bombarded your brain long enough. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you do have any comments or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Find the contact details in the show notes and we'll go from there. And today's episode is brought to you by the letter E. And for the letter E, we're going to use the word equipment. Know how to use the equipment you are taking and where you have it stored in your pack. It just might save your life. Until next time, enjoy the trails and talk soon.